Welcome to Tailboard Talk, a fourth shift fitcast. The mission of Tailboard Talk and the fourth shift fitness is to educate and train fire service personnel to increase durability and decrease the potential for injuries and their associated costs. My name is Chris Morella, owner and founder of Fourth Shift Fitness. I'll use my experience as a personal trainer, strength coach, and 15-year veteran of the fire service to deliver tips, tricks, lessons, and information specifically geared towards the health and wellness of firefighters and paramedics. Each episode, you'll leave with immediate deliverables that will improve performance and resilience and keep you in the fight through your career and into retirement. Let's get into it. Welcome, 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 welcome crew to the new, improved Tailboard Talks. My name is Chris Morella. I'm your host, founder of Force Shift Fitness. You might be saying, Chris, why, why would you do a podcast? Everybody's doing podcasts. There's so many podcasts. And I agree. And I've thought about it too. But there's a few good reasons why I've chosen to take Tailboard Talks, which is just a video segment that I put on YouTube and that I put on Instagram and made it into a podcast form. First of all, I'm I'm burnt on the video. This time of quarantine and isolation, I spent so much time on YouTube and watching Zoom conferences or presentations and interviews or Skype stuff for the same uh, same kind of format, and I'm just tired of it. It's awkward. The pauses are weird. I've had enough of sitting around consuming media. And so I want to get back to moving around and, and doing stuff again while being entertained or learning or educating or whatever. And I want you guys to have that too, because I think we're all becoming a little more mobile. Um, we're still all being very, very safe and smart, obviously, but um, it's time to get out and start moving again. The weather's nice. Even if you're not going to crowded places around people, you can get on new stuff. And I rarely, I mean, there's one or two podcasts I'll listen to or I'll watch on YouTube at night. But beyond that, if I'm listening to a podcast, I'm not doing stuff. Mowing the grass or working out or just doing something, but the podcast is on driving. And so I wanted to give something that was more mobile, a little more clean, and selfishly a little bit easier for me to make and edit. Uh, and this is way easier. I don't have to worry about lighting or camera or any of that stuff. I just have my microphone and computer, and we're off and running. So since we're restarting it, in kind of this format, this medium, I want to go back and this episode is going to be an introduction episode. It's going to be my bio, reintroducing myself, reintroducing fourth shift fitness, and then finally what this tailboard talk, this fit cast is going to be, more importantly, what it's not going to be. And then at the end, I have a small, pretty easy, but crucial call to action for you guys. So let's just start off nice and easy. My history, uh, I grew up in Wheaton, Illinois. Uh, my mom, my dad, and my brother. My brother is seven years older than me. Uh, and fun fact, he's actually a captain in the department I work for, the one that I've worked for for 12 years now. Uh, so that's the second promotion. You start at Blue Shirt, and then you have a promotion to lieutenant and then captain. So he just got that a few months ago, uh, I think in March, right when this whole pandemic thing was starting to kick off. My father was in the Marines. He did a few tours in Vietnam and then came home, got married to my mother. And then shortly after, they had my brother, my mom was the one that got me into fitness and exercise 
uh, while my dad was more on the sports side. So me and my brother played hockey growing up, but my mom was an aerobics instructor, and she was an aerobics instructor for, I think, over 25 years at a place called the Wheaton Sports Center. So there's only one of them because it's in Wheaton. It's a Wheaton Sports Center, but there's, it's basically like a YMCA, uh, but there's only one of them. So they had you know, racquetball, basketball, tennis, one of those big bubble dome things, uh, huge weightlifting and like uh, strength training area, indoor track, outdoor track. It was enormous. And she worked there for 25 years and she taught everything. She taught step and spin and slide and water aerobics and whatever else you could do in that aerobic studio, choreographed to music she would do. And so I was there all the time. That was my summer camps, and that was my after school. And so growing up, uh, this would be in like the 90s, uh, that's where I was all the time. And so I was always around fitness. I was always around that kind of environment. And I'm pretty sure that's what led me kind of down the path of fitness enthusiast turned to coach uh, that I am today, as well as firefighter paramedic. Now, I really think if I look deeper in that, that environment, there was this one area in the Wheaton Sports Center. Uh, and it was called the free weight room. And so imagine this enormous complex, like, like I said, like a YMCA or a Bally's. But there's this one room upstairs, and it's the free weight room. And it's like 20 by 40. Uh, and that's where all the free weights were. So besides that room, that was the only place that there were weight plates, uh, dumbbells that were more than like 40, 50 pounds. Uh, squat racks, bench presses, everything else was a machine. Everything else on that strength training area was a machine. And then if you were allowed, first of all, if you were over 18, I think, uh, and if you weren't an idiot, you were allowed to go in the free weight room. Now, remember, this is in the 90s. So imagine the people in there, meathead, right? I mean, it was awesome. We're talking high tops, stringer tees. We're talking weightlifting belts, lifting gloves, mullets, and dudes just chucking steel around like it was nobody's business. And that was the free weight room. So that was always something that I wanted to be a part of. And I eventually got there. And man, it was everything I had hoped for. And from that free weight room, I kind of got a love for the weight room. I carried that over to the when I went to junior college. I, I didn't play sports for junior college. I played hockey during junior college. But I was always going there when the football team was in there or the wrestling team and lift while they were in there because that was the environment that like gritty kind of thing that I enjoyed doing. So I'm pretty sure that's where it all started. Let's get away from that though. I'm sure we'll talk about that later. Growing up, like I said, played hockey. Me and my brother both played hockey. Uh, School, you know, didn't love it. I was never a big school guy. I was way too hyper and uh, I just wanted to get through it more than anything. I love the creative stuff. I love building and creating. Art and gym were obviously awesome for me. Math uh, was not. And I really just wanted to get through it but I saw it as uh, kind of a time to have fun. So was I the best student? Nope. I didn't have, did I have the most fun? I had a lot of fun. Now, at the end of high school, towards my last few years of high school, my brother was working in a part-time fire department, and it was the Winfield Fire Protection District. And there were some other interests for some, from some high school kids and some area kids to kind of start a mentorship program there. So my brother and some of the guys there started an explorer program. Now, Explorer Program, for those of you guys who aren't familiar with it or never been a part of one or seen one, is basically like uh, like a Cub like a Cub Scout, like a Boy Scout troop for the fire department. So, but essentially, it's just uh, a way to 
get youth involved in a little bit of education in the fire service so they can uh, either have a leg up or they can determine if that's something they want to do or not. So I was in the Explorer program for the last two years of high school, got out of high school, um, and then decided I wanted to pursue a job as a fireman. So I became, I went to the academy later that year after graduating high school. It was an end of the year academy. And then I became a part-time paid on call firefighter for the Winfield Fire Protection District. Now, after about a year of doing that, I was just playing men's league hockey and I decided I wanted to go back. And one of my friends was talking about going and trying out for a junior hockey team in the area for a junior B team. Now, I only played high school growing up and I played club before that, but I was like out of the hockey world. I was playing men's league, just hanging out, kind of screwing around. And so I walked on to a junior B team. Uh, if you go back and look for the junior B team, it was called the Chicago Force. You probably won't find anything. I think there were some issues towards the end of the uh, the force. They ended up scrubbing them from the hockey world. Uh, you might be able to find like a hockey DB listing of the Chicago Force, maybe, um, with no stats or anything like that. It's hard to even find a logo. I have a few pieces of uh, merchandise and like a player card from when I was there, but that's that's pretty much it. I think I have a hat and a shirt, maybe. Uh, so I did that. I played junior hockey for two years, two years while going to junior college from a fire science degree and also working as a part-time firefighter for the Winfield Fire Protection District. Now, hockey ended two years later, so I was 21. Wasn't good enough to really keep going on. Uh, my options were go to Canada or go to Europe, and I really didn't have much interest in becoming a suitcase because that's what I would have been, and that's okay, um, but that's not what I wanted. So I decided to dive headfirst now into the firefighting and try to make a career out of it. So I, I kind of skipped around then for a few different jobs. I worked as a contract medic for a full-time fire department. I worked as a, a driver for a critical care company. They also had a few helicopters, but I was just driving. Uh, I worked full-time for a, a department that's a south suburb of Chicago. I worked there for four months. And then four months in, uh, the department I'm in now called me, and I've been there for the past 12 years, and that's a full-time firefighter position, also a paramedic. So that was in 2008. 2008, got hired full-time, kept up with my love for weightlifting and, and strength and conditioning and just training. I, I trained a few guys while I was playing hockey, uh, just informally. Um, but the department I'm at now, it, it's, a re it's a bigger department for the area. So uh, it's around 130 to 150,000 people probably. Uh, we have 136 line personnel, uh, seven stations, five ambulances, and so we're, we're a bigger suburb of Chicago. We're about an hour west of the city, and they were big enough where they actually had a physical fitness committee, so I tried to get on that as early as possible. I think I got on there around 2010 or 11, and then in 2012, everything kind of took off. One of the other guys that's working in uh, my department opened a gym. Originally, he was part of a CrossFit gym in another suburb, and he wanted to open his own gym, and it was CrossFit for about six months, maybe even maybe even three or four months, maybe that short. And it, it just turned out that for the type of people we were training and the type of training that he liked to do, CrossFit just wasn't scratching the itch anymore. And so that was in 2012. And I started actually working for him, I think in the same year that he opened, because I was basically pestering him to give me a job. I lived about a mile away from the gym. I was only working at the fire department. So my off days, I was going and taking classes there. And I was telling him every day, like, hey, man, uh, this is always something I really like to do. I'm not certified as a personal trainer, but I want to start working here. Tell me what to do. He got me on the right path. 
he hired me and then I, uh, I was able to study and test for my NSCA CPT, I think a year later, uh, maybe like 2013, maybe even 2014, but he gave me my first start in the strength and conditioning world. So, uh, big props to him for, for taking a chance on the annoying new guy at the fire department. Uh, really let me kind of have the freedom to learn and grow in an athletic environment. So when we got away from CrossFit, we found a guy down in Tampa, Raf Ruiz, and he was kind of the father of CrossFit football along with John Wellborn and those guys down there. And we, we latched onto him and he runs a much more strength and conditioning and performance centered type of system. And uh, so we latched onto that. We've been down to see him uh, maybe like a dozen times by now. We talk to him every week and we have a great relationship with Raf. And so that was, uh, I mean, talk about lucky. I mean, the, the gym opens up a mile from my house. I happen to work with the guy on the fire department, and then he finds Raf. You couldn't ask for more. You couldn't ask for more for a start for, for a young coach, what I was at the time, to get my feet wet and start down my coaching career. So I still talk to Kurt. Uh, that's the owner of the gym. The gym's still around. I just don't work there anymore. I kind of moved on a few years ago. It was actually a really good split because – um, he saw that I wanted to do other things and he had a core group of coaches there that were more than willing and able to take the load. And, uh, so they, they took and ran with it and I was able to kind of make a nice easy exit. Like I said, we still work with each other frequently on shift and we talk to each other uh, at least a couple times a week, programming, strength and conditioning, opinion stuff, or just making fun of, uh, gym fails and stuff like that. Also in 2012, there was a group of guys in my department who wanted to continue doing the firefighter combat challenge. Now we had done it for the past two years, I think before that, but we'd only done one or two of them. Uh, but they decided that 2012 was going to be the year that we win the championship. Now the Scott firefighter combat challenge is just insanity. Okay. You get dressed up in your full firefighting gear and there it's an obstacle course. I'm not going to run through the whole thing because it'll kind of drone on. You can look it up. We were the local 439 combat challenge team from Elgin, Illinois. Uh, and so you can win this one of two ways. You can either be the fastest and the best, and you're the champion because you've beaten everybody, or you can be the grand national champion, which is a points race, kind of like NASCAR. And so we decided that since we were good but not great, uh, we would have to take the points route. So as a team, we decided that we would go to as many competitions as it took and travel as much as it took and work as hard as it took to get the Grand National Championship. Now, to put it in perspective, typically if you're going to do this, you might do one or maybe two in the year. So you're going to train for three, four months, and then everything goes into one run. And each run takes less than two minutes. Uh, and some guys can do it less than 90 seconds, which is, which is just awesome. But basically you train a long time for one and then maybe you travel a little bit farther for the next one. If you really want to travel, you can go to like the, the nationals of the worlds for a third one. So that year, when we decided we were going to win the Grand National Championship, we ended up doing either 13 or 15 competitions. I can't remember which one because I can't remember if the world competition was our 14th and 15th or our 12th and 13th. Either way, we did an insane amount of competitions. And it was an awesome year but it was also an absolutely miserable year. I learned a lot. I learned about uh, my threshold for pain. I learned about my threshold for riding in a car with four other people. I learned about different ways to train, different injury patterns. I learned a ton of stuff over the course of the season, but my God, 
it was brutal. Now, we did come out of it the Grand National Champions. We have the plaque, and we have the flags, and we have gear bags with our names embroidered on them, with Grand National Champion embroidered on them for 2012. It was awesome. I'll also tell you that I have not once looked back and wanted to put my race gear on or try that ever again. Some people have done it every year for the past like 25 or 30 years. I don't think, I don't know if I'll ever want to do it again because I know the level that you'll have to train to to get to the scores and the times that we were getting. And I just don't, I just don't know if I have that kind of push in me to buckle down that hard for, for an event like that anymore. But man, what a crazy year. So that happened in 2012. I'm sure we'll talk more about that in the future. 2013, I got married. I got married. So my longtime girlfriend, Katie, I finally proposed to her. Uh, I, I drew it out as long as I could. She backed me into a corner. I tell everybody she proposed to me, but that's just that's just having fun. I proposed to her, and uh, thankfully she said yes after all I put her through. And we've been married ever since. And then just last year we had our first child. We had Nathan uh, last year. So now it's us three. We had two dogs um, since we were dating, and unfortunately, we had to put both of them down in the same within the same year. Uh, actually, about exactly one year ago to when this is coming out. So our our little family has changed quite a bit in the past decade plus that we've been together. But um, that was 2013. Got married. 2015, injured, big time injury, and I, we're gonna dig into this in one of the episodes. But I had a shoulder injury. I avoided surgery but I got two cortisone shots and I was out for six or seven weeks. And uh, it's something that completely changed my perspective on injuries. When we talk about it in the future, I explain the mechanism of it and more than anything, the mental and psychological aspect of it. I mean, it really, it really changed my perspective and really opened my eyes to a lot of, a lot of different things when it comes to injuries and the fire service. Now, within that time, between, between like 2012 when I started working at the gym, we won the Grand National Championship. 2015 was my injury. And 2017, which was when fourth shift was established, Kurt and I had been working with the physical fitness committee and trying to get as much of a presence as possible in front of our membership. And it was a struggle because we had a, a lot of good exposure, a lot of good exposure with the new hires. So every time someone would get hired, they would do two weeks of days. So they'd come in every single day for like an eight-hour day. We would get an hour with them every single morning of those two weeks. So that's really good. We also had a lot of good exposure with injured people and returning to work. So people would go through work hardening. They'd be released to light duty or released back to work. And then they would give us the, the allowance basically to go train them for an hour. Maybe not every day, but two or three times a week, depending on what shift they were on. If we can meet up on shift, off shift, whatever it was. And so we had a lot of good exposure with people returning to work. But in that time period of three or four years, we had three people sustain catastrophic and career-ending injuries. It was two back injuries and one shoulder injury. And it really kind of opened our eyes to the fact that we're really good at treating after the fact. You know, it's kind of just the way the system is set up. We can take care of people once they're back to an operational level. But getting in front of them and in front of the problem is, is nearly impossible just because of everything going on, call volume, budget concerns, our availability. Expecting the department to set aside time for that would be awesome. But in our city, in our department right now, it's just not realistic. We had those three guys go off on injuries. All of them were under the age of 50. I think two of them were the under, under the age of 45. And all of them, all three of them, uh, have some pretty significant lifestyle restrictions to this day and 
for their foreseeable future because of their injuries. And so because of that, I reached out and I wanted to start my own company. I wanted to start Fourth Shift Fitness. And so I did that in 2017 for that specific purpose. And we're going to talk about Fourth Shift next in just a minute or two here. But the purpose was to get in front of these problems, to get education and training out to our firefighters and paramedics, our peers, before they got hurt. So maybe they could not get hurt instead of us cleaning up the scraps afterward and, and hoping everything goes well. Uh, also in 2016, so back one year, I took my first promotional exam. That was a watershed moment in my life. Uh, I tried real hard, but lazy me, right? I already told you I don't like school, so I only had my associate's degree. I only had one of my fire officer classes. I had pretty low seniority, and I didn't get a lot of department points because I I was not selling myself. I was involved in a handful of things, but compared to the rest of the applicants and the testing candidates, uh, I was way at the bottom. And so I had three years, basically, to buckle down. And in that three years, I got all my fire officer classes done, as well as the workbook, and turned that in for my F01. Went back and did my bachelor's program, so I did all the entire bachelor's program in that time. Uh, and then I just took the test a year ago and now I'm, I'm actually next on the list. So I, I ended up number two, number one guy couldn't be caught mathematically, but I was able to get number two. And so now maybe within the next three or four months, I might get promoted to Lieutenant and that will be a significant change in my, my operational day to day because I'll be going from basically an every single day acting officer on the ambulance to now a promoted officer, and I'll get more of a split engine and ambulance time, and I'll be in charge of a crew uh, instead of just in charge of my my one person. So, so that'll be a big change, and that's going to come up here in hopefully three or four months, maybe the beginning of next year. I don't count on any of these old guys leaving. They all say they're retired. I don't know when they're retiring. They've been they've been retiring for years, man. But we'll see. So let's jump forward now. That brings us up to pretty much present day, right? Pandemic and promotion. Let's jump down to what four shift is. Now, I started in 2017. So those of you not familiar with the fire service or that just don't understand the name, it's a play. It's a play on words, right? There's three shifts, red, gold, black, one, two, three, ABC. Well, I wanted to create something that everybody could be a part of. And so it's not like we're blaming first shift for not emptying the dishwasher or blaming shirt third shift for telling the captain that we screwed up. We're all part of the four shift. And it's a place that we can all come and learn and show up to and bring enthusiasm and build something and it's a piece of something that you own, right? It's not just something I'm giving to you. You're going to end up actually owning part of this podcast. You're going to give ideas. You're going to have input. And it's going to be something that we're all kind of joined into. So that's my goal here is to create that fourth shift. Like I said, I wanted to get in front of the problem. I wanted to be able to go out to departments and teach the methods and the tactics and the exercises and everything that I learned at LGN with Kurt and everything with RAF and everything we developed in all the years of training at LGM and give it to a tactical environment, give it to a tactical audience. Now, the model for four shift fitness was that I would go out to their department. So if you were interested in four shift fitness, I would come to your department and I would present on injury prevention or increasing durability or risk prevention. And we'd talk about shoulder injuries, back injuries, uh, lifting mechanics, diet, nutrition, strength and conditioning. And the format was, if it was a one-hour seminar, we would do 30 minutes on one topic in the classroom, and then we would walk downstairs or across the hallway and do 30 minutes and apply the lessons we just learned. And if it was a two-hour one, we would do just repeat that again. Go back to the classroom for 30 minutes and then go to your weight room again for another 30 minutes. And that did a few awesome things. First of all, we were in their environment. 
I was also able to move the lessons around and adjust what I was teaching based on whatever equipment that they had in their facility. So it's not like I'm walking in and saying, hey, the best thing for back injury prevention is this set of uh, bands or this special bar and you have to buy it for me or else it's useless. I was going to their station using their stuff. When they go back to their weight room now, maybe it rings a bell like, oh yeah, I remember we were doing this over here on this pull-up bar. Maybe I'll try that today. And they know it's a quality exercise instead of just kind of stabbing in the dark and hoping you find something worth it. And it was awesome. I actually hit the ground running because of all the places I worked in the past. Immediately, I reached out to guys and said, hey, I have this company now and here's my, my background and my resume and here's what I've been doing. Here's what I want to do. And I was able to get out to three or four departments right off the bat. Now, one of the largest things I went to was the Illinois Firefighter Peer Support Symposium. And that was awesome because I met so many people there. And if you've been following on social media, you know that I work closely with Annette Zapp from Fire Rescue Fitness. And we do a few joint initiatives together. Uh, and that was all because I got accepted to speak at the Illinois Firefighter Peer Support Symposium for the last two years. And we were able to make that, that connection Let's move on to what tailboard talk is going to be, and we're going to wrap this thing up. It's going to be three big things, okay? And this was actually a, a lesson that I was taught early in my career. We had somebody that was was putting out these these trainings, and they would put out these random topics that really didn't really connect with our demographic or our population or our equipment that we had or our capabilities or our interests, but we had to do them. Like I said, we run a, a pretty good amount of calls, I think around 13,000 calls a year. And so it became a real fr point of frustration that we had to do this training. And so one of the guys on the crew set the rules that from now on, training has to be purposeful, practical, and applicable. And if it's not all three of those things, or at least two out of the three, we're not doing it. And so that's what this tailboard talk is going to be. It's going to be stuff that is purposeful. It's going to mean something to you. It's going to be realistic, and you're going to be able to take lessons away from it and apply it immediately. We're going to give you stuff that matters, that you need and want, and that you can use immediately. I'll tell you what it's not going to be. It's not going to be rambling on. There's nothing I hate more. There's a few things I hate more. One of the things I hate the most is when you're at a, on a, a conference call or in a meeting or at a training session, and you can tell that it's over. The meeting's over, the call's over, the training's over, and whoever's leading it, does like the, uh, well, what else can we talk about? Or does anybody have anything else they want to like go over or kind of talk about or anything? That drives me absolutely crazy. So it's not going to be a ramble session. I'm going to give you guys as much as I can of quality information. And when it's over, it's over. I'm not going to stay here and try to fill an hour or two hours or whatever it is. If I got 10 good minutes in me for the day, you're getting 10 good minutes. If I have an hour of, of uh, what I think is good stuff, then I'll probably stretch it to an hour. But it's not going to be just a, a blind wandering into the desert hoping we fall upon something awesome it's also not going to be destructive there's so much like conflict and crapping on each other's ideas and discounting someone else because you don't see any value in it and so much division and it's just not what this is going to be if you can't find at least one takeaway from almost anything then you may be the problem even the worst programs and the worst systems and the worst ideas you can usually get something out of one way or the other. You can draw something out of it. I might not like some things. If you guys have been following me on social media and you've seen some of these tailboard talks in the video form before, you understand what my likes and my dislikes are. But I'm not going to trash people. 
All right. I understand that people have different viewpoints in training and in the fire service to me, and that's fine. I might tell you I don't like those ideas, but I'm not going to go ripping someone apart because they think differently than me. And the last thing, it's not going to be exclusionary. You know, the fire service does not discriminate. You, you can't not treat someone or not help someone because of their background, what they look like, how they speak, their religious beliefs. You just cannot do that. And so this being an offshoot of the fire service, we're not going to do that. It, it's pretty simple, right? I mean, I hope that's simple. So here's my call to action. And this is not going to be an Instagram poll. I kind of don't like those. I don't like when people say, do you want to see a, a bicep workout or a tricep workout? Pick one. I, I might get to that point someday, someday um, when I kind of run out of stuff to say and I want you guys to do the thinking for me. That, that might happen. But for now, that's not what I want. What I want is I want you to tell me something. I want you to tell me what you're struggling with in the fire service, in your physical fitness, in your wellness, in your mental health. Now, I have resources for all that stuff. I got, I got people I can tap into. I'm not going to pretend like you give me a hard question. I got the answer. No problem. I'll just figure it out. But I'm going to find you the answer. Okay? So tell me what you're struggling with. What do you need help with? What do I need to know more of? You know what my philosophies are with training. You know what my likes and dislikes are with equipment. So where are my blind spots? Where, where do I need to look into? And what do I need to present out here to make this, this fit cast purposeful, practical, and applicable? So answer that question for me. Shoot me a message on social media, on all social media. So Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, I think that's it, right? I'm at the number 4TH, 4th Shift Fitness. My email is number 4TH, 4th Shift Fit at gmail.com. Hit me up, all right? If uh, you got my phone number, shoot me a text. If not, message me. And let me know what's going on, okay? I can't wait to put more of these out. I really hope you guys are going to enjoy them. As always, be a four shifter, and I'll talk to you soon.